Rookie Designer with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Well, I finally made it into my new digs. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, I was actually moving, and that was creating a little bit of confusion and a little bit of uh, uh, lack of time, I guess you'd say. So the last podcast wasn't in the, the same vein as it usually is. So hopefully this week we're going to get back on track and do things the way that we usually do them. And of course, we're going to talk about something design. Today we're going to be talking about landing pages. Uh, something very key, it might not sound very key, but very key to driving business through your website. What happens when somebody clicks a link on, maybe you advertise on Google or something like that, or maybe you're advertising a, a certain link in a magazine ad? What happens when they come to that page? That first page that they see is really, really important because if they don't like it within the t- first 10, 15 seconds, they're not going to continue on through your website, or they're not going to continue on and fill out the little form for you to get their information or whatever it is you're trying to do with that landing page. So. It's really key that you, you do certain things with this page to make it stand out to the reader and kind of grab them and, and bring them into your website or do whatever it is you need them to do. You're going to have some kind of course of action that you want from them. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, a few tips on that, and uh, that's about it for today. All right, so let's get a little business out of the way first. Uh, the normal things. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in and subscribing, getting the show however you do get it, and uh, really supporting the show. You support the show just by actually listening to it. Uh, Others of you support the show in other ways, kind of like the Tell a Friend program. And that's where I ask everyone to tell somebody, tell anybody that you think will, will be helped by this show. If somebody's getting into graphics or they've been doing it even for five years or so, just tell them about the show, mention it to them and let them, you know, listen to it and see for themselves whether it's something that they like or not. Um, this is the only way we grow this audience. I don't have money to be advertising or anything like that. So this is how we get the word out and we get more people on the forums for you to talk to and uh, just make it so that it's worthwhile for everybody to participate in this. Uh, the other one that I ask you to do is you share. And that is if you have a topic or something you'd like to air on the show, if you have recording equipment, I ask that you actually record something. Give me an MP3 or a WAV file or an AIF, and I will actually insert it into the show and we can have a discussion that way. If you don't have that capability, then just send me an email, send me a Word doc, an InDesign doc, send it any way that you can. Send me a topic and we'll talk about it that way as well. So just want to make sure that we're talking about things that are of interest to those of you who are out there listening. And this is your way to participate and uh, get a discussion going about something you'd like to hear about. So those are the two programs we run all the time. Uh, We just had a contest and that actually ended on December 1st. And that was trying to get you guys basically to fill out my feedback form. And as incentive, I had some great prizes, which will be awarded soon. Um, Like I said, I believe in the last podcast, it's probably not going to be until maybe the end of January before I get to all that because I got to go through the entries. I got to get all the prizes together. And then, of course, I have to send them out after I award the prizes. So Stick with me on that one. It's going to be a little while before we get all those out. But for those of you lucky winners, uh, it's going to be well worth the wait, I'm sure. And thank you to everyone for participating in that. I got well over 100 responses on the feedback forms, which is great because it lets me know what you guys think of the show, how you listen, when you listen, and it's just going to help me make the show better, which hopefully I will be able to do in this next year. Um, The last thing, like I said, I'm in my new place now. 
might be a little bit of trial and error because my new place has hardwood floors and actually my desk is in the kitchen because it's kind of a small place. So there might be some uh, discrepancies in the audio. I will try and fix those if necessary. Uh, if not, then we'll just keep rolling. So um, yeah, hopefully everything goes well with that. I'm just hoping not to get too much echo. I have a lot of furniture and stuff in here now, so hopefully that won't be an issue. But there could be some extra noise, so hopefully it won't be too annoying. And that's about it, except for our sponsor, which is GoToMeeting. And GoToMeeting gives you a great way, a great cost-effective way to meet with other people because they don't have to drive or fly to meet you to see what you're doing. If you want to show them something of a presentation, if you want to show them something you're doing on your computer, they just log in through a browser and you log in and say, start meeting now, and they can see everything that's on your desktop. So you cut costs that way. You also cut costs because you pay one fee and you get to meet as many times as you can. And instead of paying hourly or paying by the meeting, you get to pay that one fee and you get to meet and show people stuff as much as you can. So if you're a company that meets a lot or you need to talk to a client several times that's not in your area, this is a great thing to have. So if you want to try this for free, you can do so. You just need to go to the URL, gotomeeting.com slash tech podcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash tech podcasts. There's a little form to fill out there and you'll be able to download it and try it for free for 30 days. So check that out. All right, so for the topic for today, we're going to be talking about landing pages, as I said. And as I kind of briefly went over in the intro, these are very, very important because it's kind of the first thing that people see. It's almost like a magazine ad. When somebody's flipping through a magazine, you really need to make something that captures the attention of the reader. Otherwise, they're just going to keep flipping right past your page and look at something else. So there's certain key items that you need to have on that page, and they need to be formatted in such a way that first of all, it catches their attention. It's also very easy for them to, to read or comprehend in a very short amount of time. And you know they just get the message in that short amount of time because people have a short attention span, especially when they're flipping through a magazine or on the, on the internet. They know that there's hundreds and hundreds of other sites that are probably very similar to yours or gives them the same kind of services so that the, if they don't like what they see right away, they can just click on to the next one. You know, many times they're going to be going through like a Google search. And if they don't like your page, they're just going to hit that back button and go to a different one. So we need to really capture the attention of our audience. Uh, most of this stuff comes from a white paper that I was reading that I actually got from uh, somebody in, in the marketing department. And although white papers, you know, they are kind of dry and they're just kind of cut and dry. This is what you should do. This is, you know, this is what we think you should do because it was written by somebody. I thought this one was good because it, it brought out some good points of not only what to do, but why you want to do it. And it's something that I never really thought a whole lot about. I mean, obviously there's certain things that you know about designing a web page that's going to capture somebody's interest. But, uh, so this stuff pretty much comes from that. Hopefully it's, it's kind of like a big checklist. So hopefully it's not going to sound like I'm just reading this but it's kind of my own checklist that I made from reading this white paper. So let's get started then. Um, so we're talking about landing pages and basically conversions. You're trying to convert, you know, this user that you don't even know that's coming to your page into one of your customers. You want them to see, like what they see when they get to your page and essentially keep clicking on or keep, you know, putting in their information until you have a sales lead that you can talk to this person and then convert them into a, a paying customer. Um, some basic things here, always use captions under images. 
It's a great way to, if somebody's just browsing the page, they don't want to read a whole paragraph. If you have a picture that is hopefully relevant to something that you're explaining on that page, it's good to have a little short caption, a little, you know, one liner that they can read real fast. These are also good for search engines. Um, if you're trying to optimize for search engine optimization, then I, I'm not sure if we discussed this before, but I think it probably came up. It's always good to have captions underneath your your photographs because that's something that gets captured by the, the the bots that go through and search your pages and it can really be helpful with keywords and stuff like that so always good to have that use check boxes instead of radio buttons and this gives the person more of an option you know radio buttons as you know if they're in groups you can only click one and usually this is just common sense i mean radio buttons are used for something that's yes or no usually not, you know, there's several options and you're only going to be able to choose one. But if you do have several options, as you probably saw, if you filled out my feedback form, there was lots of checkboxes. So I give you lots of options to say, I have this software and this one and this one and this one and this one. And then you just leave the other ones blank. It gives them the option to, to do, to fill out completely their information that pertains to them rather than just kind of a yes or no thing. So I think that's really what they're saying. Don't, don't, use too many yes and no questions, try and get more information out of that person. Because once you have them there, you have their attention and they're actually filling out a form. Then you want to really extract as much as you can from them. So just a couple of general facts that I got from this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Users want your landing page to be the right place for them. Meaning when they get there, if they don't like what they see right away, they're probably not going to stay. As many as 50% of people will leave after a quick, quick glance. And it said that was zero to eight seconds. So you don't have very long to make a good impression on someone. If they come to your page and it looks like a piece of crap, they're not going to stay there. And I've had that happen to me several times, you know, on a, on a search where I'm looking for a particular thing I go and it looks like this rinky dink site that, you know, like a five-year-old made, I'm not going to stay there. First of all, if I'm looking to purchase something, it's not going to look like a trustworthy site to me. So I'm going to leave right away. If I'm looking for information that's intelligible or something that's coming from an authority and it looks that way, I'm not going to stay there. So you really have to design for what you're trying to get out of people. You want to make them feel like they belong there. What makes them leave? Here's a couple of things that you don't want to do. Big registration forms with lots and lots of fields. You notice a lot of times, and this actually came up today in, in my job, you're going to have something that's that's uh, a call to action, which is a button that says, come see our product demo or free white paper download. And you're gonna click on that and then that'll bring up a form after that. So first of all, they're not showing you the form right up front. You don't land on the page and it's asking you for a form, which is kind of what ours was doing at my job. So now we decided it's probably good to put up that front page, even though a lot of the people probably know, well, if I click on this button, I'm going to have to fill something out because nothing's for free on the internet anymore. You always got to put in an email, a zip code, something. They want to get something from you. So this is a good way of masking it though, because there are a lot of people out there that don't realize they're like, oh, there's a button there. I can get something free. I'll just click the button. And then they're to the form. But by then they're already into your website. So they might not leave as easily. It's going to take a couple of clicks to get back out or actually closing the browser window. So this is a good way to kind of trap them in there, I guess you would say, but not trap them, but just not to scare them away right away. Your landing page, the first page that they land on when they click on that link, 
should not be full of like 50 fields in a form because they will instantly leave because they're, they're not going to want to fill that out. So that's a good way to send people away. Uh, the relevance of the title to the individual. So the title on your page, very, very important. You want, that's basically the first thing they're going to read. If they read anything on the page is going to be that nice, big, bolded, whatever font title that's at the top of your page that says a lot about what's what the content is of that page. So if you don't appeal to them there, then they're going to leave again. And again, this goes along with SEO too. You want to have good keywords in that title and it's, it's good to put it in like H1 tags, which is why I say it's big and bold because you put an H1, that's what it is usually. Um, but that also helps the search engines find this and find the, the, the page as far as it being relevant to what's in your website. So keywords will help it have that relevance, but it needs to basically cover what's on that page and why they want to stay there. Otherwise they're going to leave. Um, get rid of the generic feel good graphics. I know we've all seen these. They're everywhere. The people that are in the car, like looking at the camera, smiling or, you know, people shaking hands and smiling. This is crap. You know, this was something that pretty much every website did 10 years ago, five years ago, even maybe it's not what people do anymore. And these kind of things are are finally going away, which is good because all it is, is, is saying we're totally generic. We don't have imagery that goes with what we're the message that we're trying to send out. And that's going to make people leave too. Some people like it still, I'm sure, but a good portion of the people do not. Uh, another thing to look out for is length and perceived readability. This kind of goes along with the form thing. If you send them to a page and maybe there's like one graphic and like 18 paragraphs, or maybe even one big paragraph that's super long and very small type, they're going to leave. People don't like reading that much text. They want to get the gist of the information in nice little doses. So even if you have quite a bit of text, maybe pulling out the most important things, maybe even as as block quotes or just a summarized paragraph at the top, and then maybe go into more detail after that, much, much better way to do it. But we're talking about landing pages here. We're talking about, I advertised on Google or Yahoo, and some random person is going to click on that link and come to this page. I want to grab their attention and keep it. So it's probably best to keep all large paragraphs off of this page. Let them click into your site and then they can read more. Then you can start bombarding them with all the uh, marketing copy that you have. Keep it short and sweet. Otherwise, they'll leave. Does it look hard? (laughs) That's kind of a strange one, but uh, I think I get the idea here is basically, does it look like it's a, a lengthy process to purchase your services or to maybe use your services is something going to be difficult about this process so that they're not just maybe making a couple of clicks and then they're there, they're into your product. And that's a key one as well. And I think everybody kind of does this. And one thing I've seen a lot of in um, quote unquote web 2.0 is you'll see these one, two, three boxes. It's like a graphic that has three boxes and each of them have some little graphic that pertains to the steps, but it's like an easy one, two, three steps. And that's all it takes to get into our website or to use our product or to order our product. So it's making it, it's breaking it down and making it even more simple than maybe it really is, but it's showing the person that it's only going to take these three steps for you to be using our product or to purchase it. And that makes people feel good sometimes because like I said, people are lazy. They don't want to have some 18 step process to get to the end result of whatever, whatever it is you're trying to make them do.
Uh, last one is amateur design. I already covered that one. When you, when you go to a site and it just does not look very good, it looks like maybe they made it in Word and then converted it into a web page. It's just, you lose that faith in that company. You lose trust in them because they can't even spend the money to make a decent looking website. How are they going to provide a decent product, customer service, any of these things that you're going to expect with products or services that you're going to purchase from someone. So that... That was the last one on the list there of how to make people go away from your landing page, which is, of course, the opposite of what we want to do. All right, so we're past that step one. The next thing is trying to convert. We we got this person to the page. We got them kind of interested. We didn't drive them away. We got them interested with, you know, not too much information, with a nice title that really jumped out at them, with some good images, with short descriptions underneath them, just little things that they, little bits and pieces that they can read and be a little bit more interested. Now we need to convert them. We need to get them into our site. We need to get them into the process of whatever our call to action is. And the call to action is just whatever you want them to do when they get there. It's usually going to be click on this button or fill out this form. Or like I said, click on this button to fill out this form. So it's, it's basically we're getting them into this process that we want them to go through to get the end result that we want, which is converting them into a customer. So certain ways that we can get acceptance from this user. The first one is copywriting. The copywriting is key. It must be good. And like I said, with the title, it starts with the title. Got to have a good title. But also, if you have a couple of little blurbs, a couple paragraphs on there, and like I said, good to keep them short, they need to pertain exactly to what you're trying to sell them or or what you're trying to get them to do. It has to engage them. It has to make them want to learn more about your product or services. It has to keep their interest. Again, if you can actually get them to read this stuff, that's great. But if they start reading and it has nothing to do with what they're looking for, then you're going to fail there. And something that's just kind of badly written still is trying to intend to say the right things, but is badly written is just as bad as when you go to that site and it looks like a fifth grader made it right. So, you know, things like bad grammar, of course, or spelling errors, of course, but there's certain ways to write things, certain ways to word things so that they come out the right way and, and keep the person's interest and engage them. So make sure that if this is something you can't do that, that you hire somebody to do it. And Like I said, I work at a company that has a marketing department that, you know, that's what they do. So we're, we're good with that. And in most companies, that's what's going to happen. Or you're going to go out and get an agency or a copywriter to do these things for you because you must do them the right way. If you don't, you're throwing away potential sales. Uh, Rich media, obviously a big one these days and getting easier and easier to deliver in the old days, which wasn't even that long ago but mainly I'm talking about the days before flash video or maybe even flash people had to wait to download QuickTime movies to download windows media movies. It might not have been that long, but it still takes, you know, 30 seconds, 20 seconds. That's like an eternity because we already learned that people might leave after eight seconds of looking at your page. But nowadays this is a great way to do it because you can get that flash video that's instantaneously runs. You can even do keying in it and, and get it so that, you know, your company president is giving some spiel in front of an American flag or whatever it is. You know, obviously that's pretty cheesy, but you have options to actually engage the person that way. 
which I think is a lot easier to do on the web than making them read paragraphs. You're going to have somebody actually talking to them and you're going to see this a lot. You see it a lot, uh, even just on the Adobe website, but a lot of companies these days do that where they'll have, you know, people higher ups in their company or whoever, whoever is relevant talking about their product or their services and how it's going to make, you know, the customer's lives better or how it's going to produce that ROI. And it's a great way to do it because it starts in instantaneously. They don't have to try and pay attention to it. It kind of jumps out at them. And, uh, you know, audio is good as well, but it's not always easy to know whether the person's going to have their speakers on or headphones or whatnot. Video is a little easier because they can see it there. And if they, if they don't have, you know, the volume turned up, then it might actually make them do that. So rich media is a great way to do it. And like I said, it's all over the, it's all over the web now. Everyone's doing it. So why not do it too? Right? No, but it's a, it is a very good way to engage the user. The next one, I've never really been a, a super fan of these things, but testimonials and guarantees are something that have been used for years and years and years. I do like the success story type of thing where you have an actual study on a company that uses your product and you say, this is what happened before they used our product. They started using it. They spent this much money on it. This is how much money they saved because of it. This is how their business improved because of it. I like things like that. Little short quotes that say, I think this is the greatest thing ever. These things are scripted by the marketing people. I mean, it's not like a full on lie. It is somewhat of what the person said, but the, you know, they're always milking it for the best spin. They're always going to make it sound better, maybe even than it actually did. So that's why I never really put faith in these, but there are people out there who do, you know, they want some kind of guarantee that comes from Joe Schmo, you know, that, that this product is the best thing that he's ever used in his whole life. So these things sometimes are good things to use as well. You know, as long as they don't take up too much of the page, I guess you don't want to fill the whole page with these. And, um, you know, a success story like I was talking about isn't something that really belongs on a page like this. You want something that's short and sweet and gets right to the point. So um, it's just me. It's personal preference. I don't really like those things. Um, also, you want to check out the competition. See what else is out there. Go to somebody else's splash page. And this is something that you should always be doing. See what everyone else offers and then try and one-up them. Try and beat them. Make yours better. And you can find out, you can learn a lot of stuff by going to these other people's pages. And you're not going to know how it works for them, obviously, because they're not going to give that information up to you. But you can see what they're doing and kind of figure, hmm, you know, maybe try and look at it objectively. Maybe have someone else look at it that, that doesn't do what you do and get their take on, on the process and the different things that they had on their page and how it affected the, their just their experience there and whether they wanted to continue through that process or whether they were interested at all in what they were trying to sell. You want to have enough details for a sound decision. You don't want them guessing. You want to make sure that they know, yeah, this is what I want, or this is what I want to do. And these are the reasons why they gave them to me right here. There's bullet points here that say it does this for me, this, this, and that. You don't want them guessing because if they're guessing, then they're like, eh, I don't know, you know, this one looks pretty good, but I saw that other website and that one looked good too. You want to make sure that you have it in clear English there or whatever language it is that you, that you code in, that this is the product for them and there is no other. 
Now, how do you do that? I mean, there's a lot more that goes into that. And again, maybe you're not going to be the copywriter. In most cases, you're probably not. So you might not have to worry about that. But if you are, this is something that you need to worry about. It's always about beating the competition, right? Nobody, nobody is the only person that does what they do anymore. There's just too much competition out there. So you need to figure out what everybody else is doing, find out a way to make it better, more attractive, more cost-effective, something. You have to beat them in some area to be able to, to take customers away from them. So you want to make it clear to them though, why yours, why your products, why your services are the ones to choose over all the others that are out there. All right. Now we're assuming that the customer wants to say yes. They like what they see. They want to say yes, but now you got to convert them. So how do we do that? The first thing we want to do is, and this is going to sound kind of dumb, but we want to make sure that there's no issues on our website. Once we get them in there, we're getting them to the pages where maybe they're actually going to order something. Make sure that you don't have any like shopping cart issues or uh, post-click error pages. You don't want anything. I mean, this is just, this is not brain surgery. When you make a website, you want to make sure that everything works because if somebody gets in there and they're like, yeah, I'm going to buy this thing and they get it in their shopping cart. And this has totally happened to me before. Get it in the shopping cart and they go look at their shopping cart. They want to check out and the thing's not there. Or there's like five of them now and they can't delete four. Or, you know, they're, they're going to find more information about a product and they click on this link which is an interior link in your website and it takes them to a page that says none found or we can't find the page you're looking for. Try again. Uh, one of my worst things, one of the things I hate the most and it's, it's many times unavoidable, but when I try and search for something and I know for a fact that that particular word should be somewhere in their website because it's like the name of a product or something and I type it in and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to find that page and it says we can't find it. Try again. That, that burns me up. That makes me want to leave the site. But all these things, all these little issues, they might seem like a little issue, but when somebody's kind of on the fence as to whether they want to buy your product or service or not, these are huge issues. Because if they, they ever reach that dead end, you know, they might try once to go back and try it again. But if they hit that dead end once or definitely twice, they're going to leave your, they're going to leave your page. They're going to leave your site. So try and avoid these kinds of issues. This is why, you know, in web design, we do testing and more testing and even more testing after that to make sure that these things don't happen. You want to validate. You don't want to lose important information. And validation is super huge these days. Uh, validating your HTML, your CSS. You want to make sure that everything is there. And this also goes back to SEO. It helps, it improves your rankings on the search engines because they can find all the information they need because there's, there's nothing, there's no bad code. There's nothing in the way preventing that bot from finding all the keywords, all the information pertinent to what you're trying to do with your web page. And, uh, this is just kind of keeping things organized. It's a way of keeping things organized, neat and clean and making sure that everything is available to those that need it. A little tip for making forms is to be careful. A lot of times you'll see on a form, they have like the clear form button. Like if you screwed it up, I don't know how this happens. You know, why somebody would all of a sudden not want to have all the stuff that they input into the fields and do it differently. But 
I guess on occasion it might happen, but you'll see sometimes at the bottom, there'll be a submit form button and there'll be a clear form button. Be very careful with this. A couple of things you want to do, move the clear form button away from the submit button so they don't accidentally hit it instead of submit. Step two, when they click that clear form button, you want to have some kind of JavaScript on that that pops up a little warning that says, hey, you're about to erase everything you just typed into this form. So if you don't want to do that, then click cancel. If you're okay with that, then you click okay. Just two ways to safeguard because another way to send somebody away from your site is to have them fill out, fill out, fill out all these fields. They'll go to click the submit button and accidentally click the clear button and all their info is gone and they don't want to put it back in. It's not even your fault, really. They click the wrong button, but you know, they don't want to take the time to do it again. They're kind of pissed off because they just lost all that info that they input. So they're going to leave your site. So be careful with those things. Those are two good, really little tips there for uh, if you're going to put that clear form button on your, on your form. You want to eliminate bad pricing and shipping. Nothing's going to annoy people more than if they go to your site and it says something is 1995, then maybe they go put it in the shopping cart and they go to check out and it's now $40 and they go back and they say, Hey, what's going on here? You know, they probably won't take the time to email somebody or call your, your toll free number and ask you what's going on. They're just going to leave because you told them something was going to be one price and now it's a different price. And same goes with shipping. I think shipping is usually pretty standard and, um, probably always a good good idea to use the the shipping calculator type things that you'll find where you actually input your your zip code and it'll give you a more accurate uh, count of what your shipping is going to be most sites have those these days and there's good reason because it's hard to say these days you can't just kind of generalize because it's going to be different depending on where you live but you definitely don't want to have bad pricing and this can go to something as easy as updating your site regularly you know if you change pricing you obviously really need to change your website if you have pricing on there. You can't get lazy with that stuff. So um, just make sure you keep that up to date because I'm sure everybody knows if you see a price on something, that's a price you expect to pay. Beware of too many links pointing in different directions. And I talked about this before when, when building a website, it's almost kind of like a story or like a movie with your three acts, you know, you want to have people go in a certain direction and end up, basically you want them to end up to where they're signing up for something or buying something, right? But you want to take them on a nice steady path that makes sense. You know, first you're going to introduce them maybe to what you guys do, what your company does. And then you're going to move on to, you know, these are the products that we offer and this is what they do. And then they pick a product and this is how this product is going to help your business or help you. And then you eventually get down to that point where they're ready to purchase the product. If you're sending them off in different directions, they're, they're going to get confused. And especially if you have links going all over and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, they might get lost in your site. And that's another great excuse for them to just leave. So you want to make sure that everything flows, you know, gradually and makes sense. And there's always a way out. You always want to have enough navigation to where worst comes to worst, they could go back to a page that they were on before and, and know what that page is because it's marked clearly in the navigation, or at least they can maybe jump out to the home page and, and start over again. Um, they're not always going to want to do that either, 
but at least you're giving them more options than kind of locking them into this. And there's all kinds of links and they don't know where it's going to take them next. Uh, that's not a good thing to do. Um, kind of going back to the forms when you're asking for emails, I think this is a super, super important one. You always want to include that email privacy message. And that's the message where it says, we will not use your, we will not sell your email to other companies. We will not use it for anything, you know, evil or bad, but basically you've seen these. I don't know exactly what they say. It's basically assuring them that you're not going to sell their email to, you know, a whole bunch of lists and make money off of it. And then they're going to get like tons of spam in their email. So always a good thing to do. I mean, I'm sure there's sites that put that on there and still do sell it as illegal as that is, but you're at least giving them a little bit of peace of mind that, you know, if they put their email in there, you're not automatically going to give it to 800 spammers. You want to give multiple forms of communication options as well. I also have a very huge pet peeve when I use services on the internet, if they don't allow me to email them and call them and maybe have a physical address that I could send something to. If they have a chat, that's icing. That's great. That's icing on the top, but you want to give multiple avenues for them to talk to you. I don't like it when I go to a website and the only way you can contact these people is email because who knows when they're going to get that email, who knows when they're going to send you one back, you know, it, the list goes on. That's why I like to ha always have that phone number. It just shows me that they're, they're okay with customer service. They're not going to be hiding from you. And I've dealt with like web hosting in the past where that was the case. They only had an email address. And if you have an emergency, something goes down, you need it back up right away. Email is not the way that you want to be able to contact those people. So try and give them options if you possibly can. Uh, it's going to make them feel better about choosing your company as the company that they want to go with. The keys to the game. Our key command for today is to add a new page in InDesign. Something pretty easy to do, but you know, sometimes it's good to be able to do these things on the fly. So on the PC, to add a new page to your layout, you're gonna press Control, Shift, and P. And on the Mac, that should be Command, Shift, and P. All right, so we're gonna kinda of jump back in the uh, thing, the whole grand scheme of things here and talk about what is your conversion activity. And that's what I was calling the call to action. What do you want people to do? What are you trying to get out of them? What are you trying to do? And there's several different options here. There's e-commerce, when you're trying to get people to buy something straight from your website. Lead generation, where you're just trying to get information from them, maybe a phone number that your sales guys can call, an email where you can send emails to, whatever it may be. Um, branding education. Sometimes the, the fact is just letting them know that your company is out there and this is what your logo looks like. So if you see that in magazines or something, now you know who it is. Maybe teaching them about what your company does. And then they associate that with a logo or with something else that they've seen. If you have, you know, an ad in a magazine, sometimes maybe they'll have, you know, the page designs so that it looks like that ad. So they have that association. Like I found this link in this magazine. I went here. Oh yeah. Okay. This is, this is that same company and this is what they do, or this is what they're offering me. Uh, sometimes it's just membership. Sometimes they're getting you to sign up for something in particular. It could be a forum, could be anything at all. It could be a membership that actually costs you money. And these are the things that we need to figure out what we're, what we're doing in the beginning. Obviously it's kind of like when we start that, that 
project, freelance project or whatever it may be, we need to identify what's the goal of this thing. What is its purpose? And that's exactly what we're doing here. It's really going to have a great effect on how you design that landing page because if you want it to do a certain thing, then it needs to be designed a certain way to, to take people on that, on that process that you need them to go through. You need to choose only one goal for a landing page. And I think this is probably where most people go wrong. They'll put that ad in, in Google or Yahoo or whatever. The person will click it. It says, you know, get something free, you know, take a free tour. They click on it. They go to that page and yeah, maybe there is a button that says take a free tour, but there's also one that says, uh, buy this now, uh, super sale, uh, one that says, uh, get our white paper. I mean, there's just too many things, too many options. And I've talked about this before too. When you kind of over-design something, I don't know. My, my example is always kind of a bad one, I think, but I always think of these pizza ads that you see that you get in the mail and they're just littered with different options. Now, when you want pizza, maybe it's just not a big deal. I don't know because these things still do work because they're coupons and people are hungry and they got to eat. But when I see something that has like 8 million choices on it, and of course I'm over, over exaggerating that, but when they have too many choices, it confuses me. I want to, I want to see something that says, here's our cheapest thing. And here's our best one. You know, do you want to save some money or do you want like the best pizza you've ever had in your life? That to me makes sense. So you don't want to bombard them with all kinds of options here because they're going to get confused and they're just going to leave. They were looking for one particular thing on the search engine. They found your site under that search. When they get to your page, that's what they should see. It should at the very least be the first thing, the biggest, the boldest thing that they see so that they can associate that with their search and they know they're in the right place. They know they got to the place that has what they're looking for. All right, some more technical stuff. You want to make sure that we have clean code. This kind of goes along with uh, what was the other one we we're talking about? I think it was the validation. And this is going to help get your stuff validated is to externalize anything you possibly can, especially JavaScript. You have a lot of JavaScript things. If you have like a dynamic site that kind of moves and shakes and does all this cool stuff when people roll over or click links or things like that, you want to take all that JavaScript and get it out of your HTML or get it out of whatever code that you're writing in. And the reason for this is it just, it's more stuff to load, makes the web pages bigger, takes longer to load. It also gets in the way of the, the search bots when they're trying to uh, scour your pages. So it's just best to get these out. Also the, the CSS code, all the styling that you have on your pages, good to get them out. It's good to get them out anyways and have them externally. That way you can just go to one or maybe two or three different style sheets, update those and change the whole look of your site without even have to, having to go into each one of the pages. It's, it makes better sense to do it this way. But it also makes it better because your pages are more searchable and they don't take so long to load. And you wouldn't think, you know, a little bit of code, a little bit CSS, it's not going to make it, it's not going to change it that much. And it's not, maybe we're talking tenths of a second here, but Hey, when somebody might only be there zero to eight seconds, every 10th of a second really makes a difference. So it's best to get these things out of the page. Um, you don't want to have JavaScript in your links either. It's good to keep your links clean, just clean straight href tags. And that'll help, first of all, make sure that they work, but also make sure that, you know, everything's just kind of cleaned up and is, is 
is a direct path to where you want them to go. You don't want anything freaky happening. And sometimes JavaScript can do that. You want to have separate heads or meta tags for each page specific to the content of each page. And this again goes to search engines and how they find these pages. If you have uh, some kind of generic description or generic um, meta tags, which is like the keywords for your page, and you have that on every single page, but not all your pages are about the same thing, then that's kind of confusing information. First of all, the way the search engines work these days, that's not really going to work. It's going to see meta tags that say one thing and then your, your copy in the page that says another thing, and it's really going to bump you down on the list. But it's also confusing to, you know, it's just confusing items there because you're not stating what is on the page. The meta tags, the head area where you put in those the tags and the descriptions, that is for defining what is on that page. So if those don't match, then you're not doing your job right. Each page needs to be themed around keywords. And again, we're going back to SEO here. All this stuff is really, really good for SEO. But it also helps because when you identify these keywords, these are the, probably going to be the keywords that people are typing into Google or Yahoo. These are the words that are most searched, that are most that pertain the most to what you're selling or what you're trying to get out there on your website. So it's good that you need to have these in your page. They need to be in your copy. You don't want to have a, you know, 18 on each page, you know, maybe three, maybe five, but it'll help you direct your copy in a certain way that is appealing to these people that are looking for this particular thing. The uh, next one here I actually mentioned already, H1 tags. H1 tags are good for SEO, for the big title that goes on the top of your page. And the thing is, you know, not everyone likes what an H1 tag looks like because it's rather large and kind of obnoxious, but that's what style sheets are for. You can style an H1 tag to look however you want it. But the key is here, you're actually putting that title in your HTML and you're using the H1 tags around it. It's good. The, uh, the, the search bots like to see this. They know they identify that as this is the heading. This is the title of this page. Um, you want to make sure that you only do it once per page though. Otherwise things get confusing. And I think it's just good design that, you know, you only have one title to the page. You might have subtitles after that you know, something that's a little bit smaller and maybe halfway down the page, you have another one, but you're usually only going to have one title for each page because you should only be covering basically one topic on one web page. Um, using divs, using CSS to lay out your pages is a good idea. The, the way of the tables is, is quickly going away. There's still probably millions and millions of web pages out there that are table based, but People are, are tending to go away from that now. There's a lot more control over what your page looks like. If you use CSS, if you use the, the box model and you use divs for your layouts, it's just a better way to do things. It can be a, a pain, and I know that for sure because I've done several of them. And you run into problems, especially when you're trying to make it look good in, in both browser both of the main browsers, I guess you would say, which would be, you know, Firefox or or uh Internet Explorer, they have a lot of issues and they're getting better as the new versions come out, but they, they tend to have issues and not look exactly the same. So you have to work a little bit more. You have to make a style sheet for each one, but table layouts are just kind of going the way of the dinosaur. So uh, if you can, now's the time to bone up on your CSS and try and figure out how to make those div layouts. 
The next little tech tip we have here is the further away from the home page your other page is, the less significant it is as far as the search engine is concerned. So what they're saying here is you don't want to have like 18 levels to your website. You know, you can think of the homepage as kind of like the top level if we're making like a, a site tree, like a visual tree of what our site looks like. Usually the homepage would be that top level. And then the next level is your main navigation. Might be, I don't know, eight things. It might be five. And then under those, maybe there's another level of sub pages, which would be the, the tertiary, tertiary level. And then under that, maybe there's, you know, a few very specific pages. Four or five levels deep is probably as far as you want to go. You start getting further than that. And first of all, your page has to be cluttered with navigation to get back out of that. Also, they're just really deep. They started at the homepage and now they're 18 levels deep. Where do they go from there? How do they get back up to maybe the first or second level, which is where they would go purchase the product or where they would go learn more about something? So you want to make sure that your, your site isn't super deep. I would say go wider than deeper, if that makes any sense. Like put more main topics up there and go down further rather than having like two options and then those just dig so far down deep that you can't even get out. Uh, hopefully this is making sense. It's kind of a visual thing as well, but um, just keep that in mind. The further away this page is from the home page, it's just not that significant to a search engine. A search engine wants to be able to crawl through your site fairly easily. It needs to be laid out well, and that way you're going to get those good rankings and you're going get, to get, get people coming to it without maybe having to pay for an ad that goes on Google or Yahoo. The homepage is king. Homepage is where you set the stage for everything. If you don't have a landing page that maybe you're bringing somebody into from a URL that you maybe published in a magazine or you know, going back to those ads that you can purchase from Google or Yahoo or other search engines, if you're not doing something like that, then your homepage is basically your landing page. So a lot of things need to be taken into account here. The differences, of course, would be that on your homepage, you don't have just one purpose. If you have two products, you're trying to sell them to maybe two different people, then maybe you have a couple of different options there. But you still need to make it clear to whoever's coming there, say, you're, you, you work for the government. Okay, here's our government section. You need to go this way. You're a consumer. You need to go this way. Things need to be laid out clear, but I wouldn't say that you only have, you need to only have like one direction or one certain thing that you're trying to get accomplished on a homepage. But homepage is the king. You always want to people have people be able to get back to that homepage. It's kind of like they call it home for a reason, you know, because you can get to any other page on your website from there. Especially if you have a site tree, which is a great thing to, to or a site map rather, a great thing to have on your site so that they can look in there and just jump to whatever page that they want. But the homepage is kind of where people feel safe. They feel at home there. They know that they can get wherever they need to go from that page. So basically we talked about a lot of technical things and a lot of ideas of, you know, what it takes to, to get people to stay on the page, to, to dive deeper into your website, to get them to convert into a customer, which is the end goal, of course, whether it be, you know, signing up for something, giving you some of their information or actually physically purchasing something from your website. Um, good things to keep in mind to, to make sure that you're not driving people away. I think that was the main point of this thing was there's several things that people do out there 
that will make people instantly leave their website. And that's obviously not what we want to do. We want to avoid that. And it's fairly easy to avoid that just by following some of these simple rules. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. Now I talked a little bit earlier about kind of going out and looking at what other people do, see what they're doing on their website and making it better. We want to go out. We want to see what they're doing. We want to meet and exceed what everybody else has, but we don't want to follow. The rookie mistake is to really beware of parody. It's an easy thing to get into. And in this kind of competition type of world, it happens everywhere. Okay. A new business starts up. They're doing something that company A and B are doing. They're going to go look at what company A and B offers. And their first thing that they're going to do is make sure that they offer those same things. It's just kind of measuring up to the competition. And then when they get to that point, then they can start adding new things. Well, we, we kind of want to do that too as designers, but we also want to kind of sway away from what other people are doing as well. I think there's a little more flexibility in what we do. Now, if we build uh, some kind of component or some kind of product and it needs to do, it needs to have these certain functions that, you know, companies A and B products have, then obviously you don't have much of a choice. You have to do that. But one thing that I found when my, my company was redesigning their site the last time, which was quite some time ago and uh, adding features is they would go out and look at what all the other websites had and they would basically copy it. I mean, it's not copying, it didn't look the same, but their website did the same things. And I think you can really get kind of in a bad, stuck in a rut, in a bad situation if all you ever do is go out to other websites and see what they're doing and copy it. Like I said, it might not be a carbon copy of what they're doing, but basically you're getting ideas from them. You're not coming up with your own ideas and it's not definitely not a good way to design You should never do that. You should always get ideas from other people by looking at their work, but take those ideas and make them your own. You don't want to ever just copy stuff. You want to take that and say, hmm, I never thought about doing that. But if I take that and put it with this other idea that I had, it'll be something completely different and even better. Just beware of of constantly going out and looking at people's stuff and just trying to emulate what they do because that doesn't come from you. That's, that is not design. That's just uh, copying other people's work. So beware of that one. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our bullpen entry for today actually came from our contest number three. And it was sent in by one of our listeners, Ernest. And this website is a very, very cool website. It's called... Uh, project7.com. It says making Dreamweaver magic. So if you use Dreamweaver to make your your web applications or your websites, this you might want to take a look at. Um, The first thing that came to here, they have, there's like articles, they have extensions, there's products that they have on here as well. First page I came to though, had a bunch of tutorials to do very cool stuff. They have like a slideshow, uh, a scroller, CSS layout. So there's all kinds of tutorials here that you can check out and learn how to do things in Dreamweaver, which is always a good thing. And uh, like I said, some other things there as well. There's some support and articles that you can read about it and uh, also some other great things. But check it out. Uh, You don't see a whole lot of websites out there that give tutorials about Dreamweaver. So this is definitely one to check out. Again, that's project7.com. 
As always, you can find any of the links that I talk about on here, including, of course, the bullpen. Uh, you can find the key command as well in the show notes, which you can find at rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. That's where you find the home base for the podcast. There's also other great pages on that website now as well, uh, ways to support myself and yourself and uh, also get some other information. So definitely check that out. Rookiedesigner.com is just the main page to that to that webpage. And uh, well, that's about it for this time. Hopefully you guys got something out of this. If you are in web design, I think you definitely could have gotten a, a couple of good tips out of it at least. I want to thank everybody again for tuning in. Thank you for being patient with me as things get kind of uh, back to normal after my move and everything. Um, if you want to contact me, you can do so very easily via email, adam at rookiedesigner.com. You can go to myspace.com slash rookie designer. You can Skype me. My username is Titan Strides. Or you can go to the forum, which you'll also find on the Rookie Designer website. That's rookiedesigner.com slash forum. And if you haven't registered yet, it's very easy to do so, very quick and easy. And uh, go ahead and do that. There's, there's hundreds and hundreds of great designers up there just willing to share their knowledge with you or just chit chat about anything in general. But uh, some great discussions going on up there. And there's also some, uh, I forgot to mention this last time, I think. Um, one of our forum members, Kitty, is running kind of a little contest thing. And she gives you ideas of projects to do. You go ahead and do them and people send them in. You get to see what everybody else did. It's a great way to, especially if you're a student, practice your design skills. And you don't have to come up with a project yourself. They're actually coming up with projects and, and give you a lot of allotted time to get that done in. And then you get to see what other people came up with. Kind of a good way to get some practice under your belt and uh, just kind of figure out what other people are out there are doing. So that's very cool as well. And thank you, Kitty, for, for doing that. Uh, I'll try to have more information on that next time because I didn't actually go up and read it. But uh, yeah, but thanks everybody for tuning in. And uh, hopefully this was good for you. And we'll talk to you on the next Rookie Designer. And just remember that everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's
just don't have the remotest idea what you're looking for, what you're talking I, I, about. I, I, I seek a higher, a higher knowledge, a higher form of communication. Well, you just talk to somebody besides me because you done passed me. Uh, I'm passing you? Right. Oh, well, we must all go forth in our spiritual quest. I beg your pardon? We must all go forth in our spiritual quest. Well, maybe so. Yeah, um, so what should I do in order to, um, you know, get involved? Get involved with what? You know what I'm involved in. You remember the, you remember the stuff I, I told that guy? I have a remote idea, my dear. Well, you got fronts with me. He's in jail now. You gotta get the money to bring him out, baby. Who's it? Who's first? Bring three. 